Blog Talk Radio. Play. Yeah. 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 in the building. What up, people? Hopefully everyone's staying safe out there. This is Kevin Owens. Uh, this is the Matchup Zone, talking a little overseas basketball. Uh, got a lot to talk about this week because mainly, well, the world has changed and how things are uh, proceeding directly affects the overseas basketball game. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Hopefully everyone's staying safe out there and, uh, you know, doing their thing. Today we are going to be joined by uh, Matt Lopez. Matt Lopez, professional basketball player, has played multiple places, uh, most recently in Puerto Rico. Uh, Matt's been playing uh, for a few years there, uh, recently with Leonis DePonce. Um, and he's going to come on and talk a little bit about how the season kind of got shut down based on what exactly has happened. And this is something that has happened all over the world. You can see uh, just on the news how everything is being shut down, how places are are completely uh, being the word that we're using is uh, making sure we're isolating ourselves and social distancing and things like that. That's what's going on in this world right now. But Considering you are supposed to stay six feet away from someone, uh, playing a basketball game is not really a good idea considering you are, if you're staying six feet off someone, you're going to get released because that's shitty defense. So uh, that's kind of what's happened. All basketball you see in the NBA, the NCAA, but overseas really is where it's impacted the most because uh, unbeknownst to you, there are leagues all over the place. There are leagues everywhere and these leagues are shutting down and players are either being sent home uh, or without money, sent home with money, or being told to stay in place. And uh, we're going to talk to Matt. Uh, Matt's going to join us right now. What's up, Matt? How are you? Hey, Kev. What's going on, man? Matt, it's great to hear your voice. Um, now, I've known Matt for a long time. Uh, since he was in high school, we used to work out together, uh, train together, and uh, he's a great player, and uh, excited to have you on here, Matt. So Thanks, Matt, uh, yeah, man. You, you got it. So here's the uh, crazy thing. So tell us a little bit about a just. Uh, I mean, let's start with playing in Puerto Rico in general because every time I look at like something you post, it's like you sitting on a beach. It's beautiful, and then you playing in games, and the stadium is packed. It must be uh, pretty much a great, great, great life to be playing in Puerto Rico. Yeah, man. First, I just want to start by saying. Uh, my team is uh, Leones de Ponce, right? So I just had to make that be known. <laughs> my Spanish because, is, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. We just we have the best fan base in all Puerto Rico, maybe in all Latin America. You know what I mean? So we have a huge fan base. So I just want to make sure you know, give them their respect. A lot of history, a lot of uh, a, lot, a lot of legends come out of that uh, that that place. But playing in Puerto Rico, man, I'm very very lucky. You know, because like you said, it's the best of both worlds, right? So you know, when we're a basketball player we have a lot of downtime and I like to spend it on the beach. You know, I mean, I've been in some places, I'm sure you have too. Uh, you know, like I've been in Paraguay or Japan where, you know, if I wasn't in the gym, I was just hiding in my room because I didn't really uh-huh. like the environment. I I've take full there. advantage of that. Yeah. 
That's awesome. I mean, that's, yeah, that's very true. I, I think there's some places you play, you just, it's, it's isolation. Like I always tell people now with this whole thing that the uh, self-isolation, like all that social distancing, we've been doing it for years when you play overseas in a place that's not exactly like when I played in Australia, incredible. I was at the beach. You were on the, there's a resort I lived on. You play in Estonia, Kosovo, those places like that. You're kind of just practice back to your room and uh, shutting it down. So Matt, so Matt, this whole situation that you are in, um, first off, let's get, let's go in with, uh, and it's funny because you, you talked to, describe him as, I know he's on social media as King Hulk. Now, Peter Aim, uh, Ramos, uh, I played with him in the D league. Uh, he was with the wizards. He got sent down to, to kind of develop with us huge. He, he, he's like a big bully. Uh, but he's like, what is he, Seven three, just a big, strong guy. Uh, and I'm looking through your roster, and I'm like, wait, you play with PJ? You play with Peter? That's crazy. So tell us a little bit about Peter. Man, he's a character. You know, um, right <laughs> he now he's diving, he's diving into the world of professional wrestling, you know. So I he's, saw that. Honestly, man, right, he's a great dude, and he plays, you know, he's a really tough guy. But off the court, you know, like in the locker room, I mean, I hope he's all right with me saying this, but he, he's kind of like a big kid. You know what I mean? He likes to joke around yeah. and play pranks. He, he's always kidding around and breaking balls and stuff. He's a really good guy. He's somebody I look up to a lot. You know, um, it, it, it's it's strange, though, because I'm big. I'm seven foot, you know, 250, and this mm-hmm. man's only you know, two or three inches taller than me, but he's got me beat by, like, maybe, maybe 150 pounds, man. He's a huge guy, <laughs> big guy. And it's crazy because I thought the same exact thing. You know, when I'm – when I was playing against them, now I was probably, uh, I was 23, 24. I was in great shape. I probably was about 250, you know, same thing, about 6'10". And he would just, he's his hands, like he would just push and shove and push you all over the place. It's crazy. Like he was just a monster. And I'm glad to yeah. see he's kind of still doing his thing. Because I'm, you know, follow him on social media and I'm looking, I'm like, all right, you know he's gonna be a wrestler now and then i i look and i'm like oh wow he's uh he's in a rap video i'm like man peter's just living the life out there and it's great to see good old peter man yeah yeah so uh kind of getting back into the whole situation uh back home uh you know obviously a great player at washington township high school in uh washington township new jersey so you are back home now uh, after this whole entire thing. So just to give me a quick description of what exactly, uh, how did you kind of find out that this was starting to get a little uh, more and more crazy over there? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a different type of basketball player. You know, I was watching the stock market and seeing how everything globally was kind of reacting mm-hmm. to everything going on. So I kind of was hit to this situation before the NBA decided to suspend the league. So, you know, I was actually, you know, we were doing charity events and stuff, and I love to do charity events. I'm on the board of, you know, our team's community outreach and stuff. But I actually brought it to our owners two days before the NBA was suspended. I was like, yo, guys, listen, you know, I love doing this, and they know I love doing it, you know, being on the community and everything. But I told them maybe we should suspend this because, you know, when we are doing these community events, you know, I'll be at a school, you know, and I come in contact with like five, six hundred kids sometimes, you know. And they were kind of mm-hmm. laughing and just like, you know, you're paranoid, you know, you're being crazy. Two days later, NBA suspended. 24 hours later, our league is suspended. Um, 
And then Puerto Rico was one of the first places to start the curfew and kind of lock everything down. Um, so it, it was kind of scary and it hit really quick. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I decided to leave. They gave us that option. You know, they're like, Hey, listen, you know, you can wait here three weeks at the resort, uh, and try and wait it out or, you know, go home, be with your family. And, you know, I have a big family. I have a, a dog that I just adore. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I wanted to go home and make sure <laughs> that she's safe, you know? Well, that's a big thing. I know uh, there's been times, you know, the Hurricane Katrina, there's nothing like this, but there's been crazy things. I know uh, my brother, you know, it's it's kind of was, you know, in France uh, with like the 9-11 stuff. So it's kind of seeing all of this uh, happening and you see the news back from America and you're sitting in another country and you get worried. You get worried about your family. You get worried about your loved ones. And I, I would get, I got that itch as well. You kind of almost like, you're like, all right, I need to get home and make sure everyone's okay. And uh, it's a, it's a crazy situation. So Matt, like kind of when was the whole entire situation? So you, you kind of said that it, it, in about three weeks, uh, they said, you know, you can stay there for a few weeks and just, and just uh, wrap it up. Or you can head home. So, like, what was the decision? Like, what was the practice like when it was finally like, you know what, this is this is happening? I mean, it, it kind of got awkward really quick just because, you know, basketball is such a physical sport. You know what I mean? Like, even when we're just shooting mm-hmm. around, we'll use three balls. All 12 guys touch the balls. You know what I mean? Or, you know, and we all stand in lines or we're all, you know, very close proximity. So it kind of got awkward very quickly. As soon as the NBA suspended the league, as soon as our league was suspended, you know, the owners of our organization were kind of like, Hey, we're going to continue to work out. And some guys were like, whoa, 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 whoa. you know, I want to do my stuff on my own, you know, no, no disrespect to the, the remainder of the players, but just to, you know, for their own safety, maybe it's not a good idea to share, you know, basketball stuff like that. Towels, you know, if you really sit back and think, I didn't really have time to realize, you know, how much, like how much physical contact you're in, you know, uh, with the close proximity you are with your teammates, you know, and it's only after, you know, something like this happens, you realize that you're like, Hey, if one of our teammates has it, you know, we're all really going to be exposed to it immediately, you know, cause mm-hmm. you know, it's, we share all these things. And especially now that you're seeing uh, all these NBA teams kind of coming out and saying, Hey, this is, you know, this is what's happening. And uh, now you have like the Sixers. You, you just found out two players are uh, are now ha- now have it. You have uh, it's just it's kind of exploding in nets and everything like that. And it's it is it's because you're so close to each other. You're banging around uh, and you're just going to end up getting sick. I mean, how many times in your career have you caught a cold just from you know going to practice and banging around and, you know, get sweat and everything like that. You're just, you're too close and too close proximity and you get cold and you're like, eh, whatever. This is a little different. So Matt, right, just kind always, of, Oh, go ahead. No, you go. It always comes with like the camaraderie. You know what I mean? Like being a team, you know, really good teams, they're almost too close. You know what I mean? Some me and my teammates, when we leave practice, we go to eat together. We go back to the, the room we're all in one guy's room we're all you know playing the same ps4 playing 2k you know i know some guys who you know they share everything towels gatorades basketball some guys even share girls you know what i mean it's like you know sometimes <laughs> you, you gotta distance yourself whenever you can but it's pretty wild man it is uh so did they give you a a any 
So in terms of the pay and stuff like that, it was everything just shut down where they just like, all right, you can, you can stay here, get paid, or we'll pay you through the rest of the season. Or was it like, we're shut down, you're shut down. So I can't really speak to everyone else's situation around the world and also in individual leagues. I can give a little bit of insight on my situation. Um, you know, we got, we got paid. My organization, first of all, is very professional. It's a phenomenal organization. Our owners, uh, Jerry and Oscar and Gabby, they're, um, they're, they're the, 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 the most professional bunch of guys I've ever had the pleasure of working with. So, you know, they, they did um, – we got this, the league stopped on like a Monday – they gave us like an advance on like, you know, the check that was going to be owed a week from now, you know, knowing that suspended uh, the league had been suspended. Um, so some guys who stayed, they may have gotten an additional check, but yeah, man, because the league, um, our league is so is, is based, you know, on attendance and on the fans coming out when the league was suspended, you know, it's tough to pay the remainder of those salaries. So they kind of just said, Hey, listen, the league is suspended. The pays are just going to be, you know, stopped for right now. When everything picks back up, we pick back up just like clockwork, you know. Um, and I know that they're, it puts them in a tough situation, you know, because, you know, preseason, they put all their money on the line early, you know, and mm-hmm. they make their money back if we make the playoffs, you know, because especially big-time organizations, you know, we have a huge arena, stuff like that. The preseason, you know, we probably get, you know, 30% attendance of what we usually get. But when it comes to the playoff time, you know, game seven, our arena is packed, you know, standing room only plus 3,000 people we squeeze in there. The fire marshal doesn't know about, you know, that's where they make all the money. Like, you know, the playoffs. So I, I, I kind of feel for them, you know, their business model is really, you know, put that, invest that money early and get it and, you know, see the returns back later on. So, you know, it, it's a weird situation to be in. That is crazy. And uh, I'm just thinking about, uh, a lot of situations, and you obviously are in a good league and a good situation and a good ownership group because I've talked to a few other people who were they were like, "This is this is shutting down." Like, see ya. Like, I've talked to people yeah. who didn't even get a plane ticket to get back home. Uh, it was just everything was shut down, and they're like, "You could just stay in your apartment." And they're like, "Well, I want to go home." And they're like, "No." And they're like, "Well, I need to get paid." Yeah. And they're like, "No." So it almost becomes like you're you're kind of a prisoner in this whole situation. But it's nice to see that there are leagues who are still caring and, and look out for the best interest of uh, the players. And I've heard a lot of good things about Puerto Rico and the league. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of you know very talented individuals. Now, Matt, you have a Puerto Rican passport, correct? Well, so it's weird. A lot of people ask me the same question. I just want to clarify. Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. So yeah. if, your fam- if your family is from Puerto Rico, you can play as a native. Um, uh-huh. I was not, I, I wasn't born in Puerto Rico, uh, but my dad was, he lived a substantial uh, part of his life there. His dad lived in, in Puerto Rico. They're from, uh, they're from like the Aguada, Aguadilla area on the West side. So, um, so, you know, just being a second generation, you know, my dad, like I said, um, is from Puerto Rico. I was able to play as a native. Um, I also have family there. So I qualify as playing a native, which comes in handy, you know, cause, uh, if I, if I wasn't a native, I would fill up one of the two import spots. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the crazy thing about overseas. And I know, uh, and there's other leagues I know that accept more imports, uh, but most of the standard is two imports. Uh, that's the standard that I've always played in is two imports. Um, but it's great. It's a great thing to kind of have that uh, naturalized uh, aspect of it because, you know, 
when you have a team as ta- a person as talented as you, and then you have a, you know, obviously you have like a guy like Peter, what do you, ca- first off, what do you call Peter? Is it, is it Hulk? Dude, like, what is your, like, when you walk up to him, what do you say to him? I just say, I usually call him big fella. You know what I mean? He, he usually, <laughs> whenever I walk in, he'll usually, you know, start off by insulting me like 10 to 30 yep. times. And I walk up to him, give him a big bear hug. And I'm like, yo, what's up, big fella? You know what I mean? But uh, I just, call him, I just call him Pete. You know, some guys call him, some, some guys call him a, a beast. A lot of guys call him, you know, some guys call him Hulk. I just call him Peter. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. he, he gets much attention sometimes, you know, and I feel like, you know, you know how it is being seven foot. You know, we get looked at a lot, and mm-hmm. you know him being even bigger, he gets looked at to a different degree. You know what I mean? Where some people kind of look at us like, "Wow, you're tall." He gets it to another level. So whenever I see him, I just give him a big hug. You know, show love, and you know, just try, you know, treat him like you know he's just one of the gang. He's got to be a huge celebrity over there in terms of just uh, everyone. You know, he's like you said, he's so big. He's charismatic. Now he's getting into wrestling. He's in rap videos. Does everyone in Puerto Rico know who Peter Ramos is? For sure. I mean, uh, you know, we stick <laughs> out like a sort of being so tall, but he's definitely a fan favorite. Everybody loves him. And that's crazy. I know he started his career with the Wizards. Uh, that's when I kind of met up with him because he came down to the D League. He wasn't happy he was there, but, you know, he, he was very young. I mean, I don't even know how old he is now. But that was when I was still – that was the last year I played in the D-League, which was 2006. So that was, four, yeah, 14 years ago, and he was young. He was probably like 17, 18. And he was kind of like still – he was like a kid, but he didn't have like the, you know, the whole huge name. He was kind of an unknown at that time. But uh, it's great to see he's still playing and still doing well. Uh, so, Matt, kind of getting back into this whole entire uh, pandemic – are you going to – so if there is a clear and they say, okay, this season's starting up again, but you, you kind of see how everything is, are you, you – your season will start up again? Are you heading back to Puerto Rico? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm going to head back to Puerto Rico uh, as soon as possible. You know, as soon as everything's clear to travel and everything like that. Um, uh, you know, my girlfriend lives in Puerto Rico. You know, I, Puerto Rico is like a second home to me. Uh, but as soon as everything's clear and everything comes back – of course, you know, business as usual. I'm a little nervous just because of the uh, everything else that's going on, right? So the effect that it's going to have on the economy. I'm mm-hmm. interested to see how that impacts basketball all, all over the world. You know, I'm fearful that as a result of this, uh, you know, if it, if it prolongs and lasts longer than four to eight weeks, uh, if the economy takes a big enough hit, we may see leagues all over the world, um, either, you know, some teams not being able to um, – to, 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 you know, to come back next season or mm-hmm. teams, you know, encounter financial problems. So I'm actually very scared for a lot of guys all over the world who have jobs, you know, in, in other countries and different markets to see how the economy is affected, right? So that like, you can imagine Italy, right? Italy is a very a, a solid league. It's a premier mm-hmm. league. I'm just to see, you know, how they recover from all this and if the league is even going to uh, resume this season or next year. You know, we could see a fallout for the next two years just economically. And I think you're, the economics of it is a huge thing. Uh, you have – Italy is a great example because that was the league where, you know, guys were making a million. They would go over there. You have a lot of ex-NBA guys, and they were making so much money. And now 
the league shut down, even like soccer, even like the uh, the other sports besides basketball, soccer, you know, you, you have the, the most famous uh, soccer player in the world and Cristiano Ronaldo playing in Italy and kind of the effect that that's going to have, the ripple down effect that's going to have everywhere. And like you said, I think a lot of those struggling teams, like I'm interested to see even the teams because I, I never played on like the huge teams, uh, the, you know, the big, I played on one EuroLeague team, but it's, it's pretty much these smaller teams are the ones who are going to really take the fall uh, with this whole entire economy. And there's not going to be enough money to pay guys. And you're going to be just playing with, with what you got. And, you know, it's still going to be expensive to just kind of maintain uh fan base, maintain everything like that, just based on the economic struggles that we're having. And I do think that there is going to be, it's going to take a while to get these teams back off. And this is, I mean, when I played, there was economic struggles and there was downfall and there was recession and things like that. But the the big thing is uh, how everything kind of they you know they were able to bounce back and they were able to kind of get bailouts from the the government. Uh, Paul Shirley talks about how the team in Greece they they didn't pay him, but they were able to the government bought him out and said like don't do that anymore. Here's more money, and kind of how they had to go through like that but this is something different this is a different animal altogether where do you think the uh overseas basketball is going to be in the next uh two years uh, i mean it's you know like you said this is definitely unprecedented so it's hard to even predict or you know uh, uh just guess you know what economy is gonna um you know is gonna be able to maintain or uh yeah, maintain sports you know like there's definitely going to be a fallout and in some of these leagues, you know, like the small market teams, like you said. Um, but then again, sports is a great equalizer. It's uh, something that, you know, it brings people together. So it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely something that, you know, people are going to, 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 to expect back, you know, and, and look forward to coming back. Um, especially if we're quarantining ourselves, you know, it's definitely something that the NBA has looked into uh, playing without fans, you know, just because everyone's at home, you know, they may not be able to go to the game, that they can watch their favorite players, you know, still compete and play and kind of take their minds off of everything. So I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to see basketball kind of go away, but I definitely think that you'll see, um, I guess, the, uh, the the money available to players or, or the the the, uh, the the offers that players are going to receive are probably going to be substantially lower just because the teams, you know, can can only afford to pay players X amount to continue to operate. So I'm I'm a little nervous, you know, for for me and the other guys, but. Hopefully, you know, uh, some of us, you know, have saved a couple of dollars to, you know, get through the next mm-hmm. three years. But it's definitely something that's uh, very scary when you think of the long term. You know, I'm definitely somebody who I want to play until the wheels fall off. You know, yep. I mean, I mean, you see this now and it's uh, it's interesting and it's scary. But I mean, you know, we'll get through it. Yeah. And what you said hit on is a great point uh, in terms of. The, the lifespan of a basketball player, I talk to people and they're like, oh, did you play basketball? I'm like, yeah, I'm retired. And they're like, how old are you? I'm like 39. And they're like, you're too young to retire. I was like, for basketball, like for life, yes. For basketball, no. Because you only yeah. have a handful of years to really get this thing going. And uh, you lose a year of that. That that definitely hurts. And what you know? What are those guys going to do? Especially, think about a guy who's playing on the NBA bench right now. Finally made it, and then it's like, I mean, there's a few guys who signed ten day contracts, and they're on the verge of their second ten day contract, which means a guaranteed contract for the rest of the year. And now it's, you know, very strange, right? And just like you said, man, I'm 26, and I, you know, I've mm-hmm. had like 
three shoulder surgeries on the same arm, a wrist surgery, knee surgery, my back is messed up. It's funny, man. This game takes a lot out of you, but it's, it's hard to live on those sidelines. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've, you know, <laughs> you've dealt with that for sure, but it's definitely a, it's definitely interesting, um, you know, the, the situation that we're in, um, you know, with those NBA guys, my heart goes out to them too. My heart also goes out to the seniors, you know, could you imagine yeah. guys not being able to uh, NCAA tournament, especially, you know, if you're organiz- or the, the team you play for the university you represent was never, you know, ha- or had never got a ticket to the big dance. And, you know, you mm-hmm. were a part of that t- to make history and you don't get to play. Oh, terrible. That- I can't imagine uh, the thoughts that are going through their minds. And I, I saw a lot of people, I wrote a little article kind of about it, but it's, it's, it doesn't do it justice because you have to be upset. And even like the, the frustration now of people who are, who are out and about and just being like, whatever, I don't really care about this thing. I'm not really interested. It doesn't really bother me. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to live my life. And I don't, it's just it's it's upsetting because you think about the kids who've actually sacrificed something and now their dream of of playing in the NCAA and that's not coming back. I I really unless they change something drastically, that thing's canceled. It's not suspended. The NBA season, you're kind of like okay, I think it's going to be back because the NBA season will be like whatever. Like you had your rest, we'll play until August and then you'll come back in October. Like I don't care, and they're like fine, whatever. But the NCAA, yeah. I mean, I just don't see that bouncing back unless uh especially because these kids are you, you only have like this is an nba player's job for a kid you're a student you're graduated uh, uh whether ceremony or not you've graduated and now kind of what do you do so that's like the most frustrating thing to be a college kid and you lose your you lose a season i mean we already said you only get four years there you can play basketball for a while you can you know four years in college you lose one of those years it's it's very frustrating now, Matt, you played, uh, you know, you finished your career at Ryder. How how close were you to kind of, you know, like I know you still have a lot of affiliates with Ryder and things like that. And uh, when you think about like kind of the NCAA tournament and things like that, just that dream, uh, how frustrating, you know, were, were you, what was the closest you've gotten to kind of getting to that dream? I also played at Utah State, right? And um, yeah. well, let me uh, back up a little bit. I played at LaSalle University, right? And I decided mm-hmm. to transfer the, the first half of the season, you know, for personal reasons, um, primarily uh, family reasons, and also because I wanted to participate fully with the Puerto Rican national team. But I actually left LaSalle University the year before they made their Sweet 16 run, right? So, I mean, even though I, I had to leave for my own reasons, I felt like, you know, I was like, damn, I, you know, I almost missed out on Lightning. But I knew that mm-hmm. that program was going to success because John Giannini, uh, Dr. John Giannini, phenomenal coach, one of the best coaches I've ever had the pleasure of being around. But um, mm-hmm. I went to Utah. We started off undefeated, I think the first 19 games. So we were like, or maybe not 19, maybe it was 15. We were 15 and 0. So we got yep. like, a, we, we were like 23rd, I think nationally. Uh, then we lost it, unfortunately. Um, so that was probably my closest. Uh, when I was at uh, Ryder, um, we were second in our conference. Uh, you know, I was rolling. I was leading our team in, like, points, rebounds, and block shots. You know, mm-hmm. senior season, my redemption season, you know, everything was going great. Uh, I was getting unofficial looks from every NBA team on the East Coast. You know, not offers or anything like that. I wasn't projected on draft boards, but, you know, you know how that goes. I was going to get all yep. the invites to camp and do summer league. Um, rolling into, like, our conference tournament, I tore my ACL. So, it, mm-hmm. it always sucks, you know, it's, 
that's one of those things that left a, a, a bitter taste in my mouth. I was always so close. You know, LaSalle, I was kind of close, right, with the organization's mm-hmm. success about the ball. Utah State, right? We were like ranked 25 nationally, uh, 25 nationally, but had a, an unfortunate exit from the our conference tournament. And then Ryder, baby, third time's a charm, you know. And with me leading the charge, and my my really good friend Anthony Durazio from your uh, from your high school came to Catholic, was with me in the trenches, and we were going into our conference tournament, you know, a, a cutthroat. And then unfortunately, I suffered a, a pretty severe injury that you know derailed my entire plans. But um. It's definitely something I feel for them just because I've been living with that, you know, that bitter taste in my mouth. I've, I felt like I've had something to prove just because I never had the opportunity, you know, to, to make it there. And it's crazy, but you, I mean, it's, you kind of look at like what a great player you you are and, you know, college player you are, you were. It's, uh, it's frustrating, but at the same time, you know, you gotta, you gotta hang your hat high because of just the successful career that you had and, and all of the accolades that you've kind of, uh, gained. I mean, it's, it's funny because once you, I went to Monmouth small school, we went to the tournament once, uh, but once that all it's, it's crazy. And you can probably, uh, talk on this, speak on this as well. When you get to the, you know, professional basketball like none of that means shit like what where you went to school suddenly doesn't matter I mean I'm playing against guys in Duke I'm playing against guys who uh and I'm I'm starting over them and I'm you're like how did you know how did you go to Duke and I went to Monmouth and and things like that have you experienced something like that with a big time player and you're like really oh for sure I mean I've (laughs) you know I've been I've been in leagues where for instance I've two two of the best guards I've ever had the play uh, the pleasure of playing with, uh, Rigo Mendoza and Victor Liz. I, you know, they're over here getting thirty, forty, fifty points on big time. You know, college basketball players. And when you ask them where they went to school, they didn't. You know what I mean? It was like, no, I've been playing professionally since I was you know damn near sixteen. And some of the you know some of the best players came up like that, like uh, like Luca Don, uh, like Luca in the league. You know, I, you know, um, everyone has a different story. Uh, and it's, it's really not where you start, it's where you finish, you know. And I also know a lot of Division two, II, Division three guys who have had huge success. And I've also seen guys, you know, who try to ride that wave, like, oh, I went to Wake Forest, oh, I went to Duke, you know what I mean? Everything should be handed to me. They don't work on their craft. And somebody from a mom or somebody from a rider comes out and just takes their lunch, you know what I mean? Takes their spot, takes, <laughs> takes their minutes, and that's it. And it is. It's crazy. Uh, and I feel like we – you and I are like similar because, you know, I'd watch Matt in high school and worked with him in high school when I was playing. And then uh, as he grew and kind of got into college, we used to train together, work out together all the time when I was playing and he was playing. And uh, it's crazy because I think we're a similar kind of player. Like we we're like late developers, like we were tall and we were just trying to get used to our body because I think like how we grew. And then suddenly things click and you're like, wow. And then, you know, so you kind of get go from like, you know, the, the recruitment is not this big, huge, big time, like everyone Dukes and stuff are all knocking down our door. But then when you kind of finish up, you're like, I'm better than those guys. You just body developed and you grew into your body and you got a lot better. And now you are a successful, then that's what happens. That's why I always pick in the NCAA tournament, you get, get a bunch of guys who are seniors who played together for a long time and guys who weren't who were like skinny little runts coming out of college or high school. And now they're just big, huge basketball players. They're not going to leave and they're just staying. And now suddenly they're upsetting, you know, number two seeds. I always think about when you talk about Anthony Durazio, I always talk about CJ McCollum. 
he's like another guy you kind of look at it like that. Like CJ, you know, goes to Lehigh, not heavily recruited, and CJ McCollum is now one of the one of the better players in the NBA. I mean, he's a, he's an integral part, and it was the same thing, just not highly recruited, grew into his body, and is you know a sensational player now. It's crazy how that works. Yeah, it is. And, you know, Kev, like you said, I owe you a lot, you know, because I got the chance to work out, you know, with you and you helped me a lot since I was, you know, like in the eighth grade. So I'm very grateful to you, to Mike Gowd or Gold, however you appreciate his last name, because <laughs> you guys helped shape the player, you know, skill-wise, right? But a lot of guys, um, you know, coming from a Duke, coming from all these big-time schools, they have the skill set, but what they lack is the understanding of the game, right, and the acceptance mm-hmm. of their role. Right. So a lot of guys, you know, they'll be like, yo, you know, I see you playing overseas, but I look at your numbers and you only average like six and six last season. And like, listen, the game has changed. Maybe I'm not a 30 and that type of guy. I set screens and roll hard. I grab rebounds. I do a lot of the dirty things. And that's why I get to play, you know, year after year. And I keep getting contracted because, you know, you got to do this thing. You got to do these things to win. You know what I mean? So, you know, I played with one team for hard though, where my role literally was, you know, I'm going to touch the ball every single night or every single possession. The ball comes to mm-hmm. me and then we're going to work out. But, you know, for my role in Ponce, um, you know, I'm more like a Steve Adams. I'm more, you know, a cleanup guy. I set screens. I run the floor hard, you know, I rebound and, you know, I, I, I seal low and I take good shots. And uh, I think that's one thing that like the younger players, need to do they need to work on their skill development but they also need to understand their role and they need to understand their shot selection that's one thing mm-hmm. right so like me i sometimes i i get minutes over guys because i know what a good shot for me is you know and like what my role is and no one has to tell me that i understand therefore you know i'm locked in with the other four guys on the floor to do what we have to do to win you know what i mean i'm not trying to get my numbers i'm trying to get a w and that's it yeah, and that's a great thing. Uh, my old coach uh, from the D-League, Kent Davison, used to say all the time, he's like, you have to, if you want to make the NBA, he's like, you know, you're sitting there, we're, we're, you're, you're right there, you guys are all on the cusp. If you want to make the NBA, you have to do something really well. Like, you have to do one thing really well. He's like, you go to the NBA, he's like, you're not going to be LeBron James or Michael Jordan or any of these guys. You're not going to go out and score 40 points. They don't need that. They have guys that can do that. That's why they're there you need to go out and do the thing that you do very well and you need to be better at it than anyone in this league. And I think the same thing, I think we had the same mindset. I used to go out and try to just every rebound was mine. Every single rebound, play great defense. And that's something I always hold my hat on because, you know, I was trying to be the best rebounder I could be because I knew if I wanted to play in the league, I needed to be better rebounder than anyone else and be able to, you know, obviously put the ball in the basket, but you had to be the best at something. And that's a great point that you just made Just some of these younger guys, uh, you know, not working on their craft and not really figuring that out that they have to focus on that one thing. So Matt, um, we're going to kind of wrap it up. I think this is awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, when you say you appreciate me, I appreciate you because I think we, you know, growing up, you you kind of came from like the, uh, the what what do you call it? Like the almost the Obi Wan uh, like mentor approach to now like actual like the, we 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 go and we're like friends, and that's a great thing uh, that I find with basketball. It brings people together and it brings this like whole close knit group group of community, uh, and it's awesome to to hear that you're doing so well. And I'm I'm constantly checking in on you and 
checking in on all the stats and stuff, and you're you, you're killing it. And I'm gonna have to make a trip to Puerto Rico when all this blows over. Yeah, man, I'd love to have you. Hopefully, it's this season. You know, hopefully we can resume and business as usual. I hear you, Matt. This is awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, and I uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Kev. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. All right. So uh, joined uh, again by Matt Lopez, really good, good conversation, was able to uh, talk a little bit about what was going on uh, overseas and kind of get an insight because I'm not playing anymore. So I don't really know uh, the ins and outs of what's happening, especially with something like this, uh, this pandemic where it's shutting down seasons, it's shutting down entire leagues. And what Matt had a great point of saying is, are those leagues going to be able to recover? Are those teams going to be able to recover? And kind of seeing what's going on. I mean, you talk about, like, you know, international sports and soccer, obviously. Those teams will succeed. It's just like the NBA. You have the the amount of money that these teams make. They're good. You're worried about, you know, if, if like, the MLS here, it's like the flipped around version. You think about the MLS, and you're like, will the MLS survive this because this is their moneymaker, and now there's nothing there? That's another story. That's what international basketball is going through. Uh, Will these teams survive? What is going on? And it's great to hear that Matt actually had a successful uh, and a great um, ownership group who was able to pay him. I know I've heard from some people who uh, they're still sitting overseas just waiting this out and not getting paid. At least they have an apartment to stay in, but Lord only knows when that's going to shut down. But I hope you uh, guys enjoyed tonight or today or this morning or whatever and uh, talk a little overseas basketball. We'll uh, keep this going and uh, try to keep this uh, pandemic, keep you entertained during this pandemic, talking some overseas basketball. Again, my name is Kevin Owens, and uh, we thank you so much, guys, for joining us today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.